0: day everyone you're listening to time for your hobby and this is episode 210 taking the first look i'm your host alex and today i have the honor to have tiffany as my guest on the show how are you doing today i'm great how are you i am doing fantastic and right before we started this little episode tiffany and i were talking all bad no t- kidding all good things about our dear friend york our mutual <laughs> friend <laughs> york if you're listening this episode's going out to you I don't know, a little sound effect right there thrown in. Uh, But yes, but today we're going to be talking about Tiffany, maybe throwing some York in there, here and there, maybe. Uh, But yes, Tiffany, we're going to be talking about her hobby of being a beta reader. Now, that intrigued me. I don't want to jump the gun and take an assumption of what it is (laughs) just yet. I know Tiffany will tell me all about it. But before we do that, we have to know a little bit more about Tiffany. So, Tiffany, if you don't mind me asking, Who are you? That's a weird way of saying that. Who are you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am, uh, what does everyone say? They're always like, I'm a mommy and I'm this and I'm all of those kind of things. I'm a mommy. And, um, I think the most notable thing that I like to tell people about myself is I am a preschool teacher, I am a professional preschool teacher. Um, I've worked with children since I was 18. I literally, um, there's a joke in my family that uh, my cousin. Um, when we were, I was in high school, he was still in elementary school. I think We, we have a pretty wide age gap, but his mom used to send him to a summer camp every single summer. And I finally went when our family moved close to them and his mom gave my mom the idea to send me, but I was like 17. I was already about to graduate high school. So I went the first year and I just worked as like a camper in leadership training. And I helped the person whose cabin I stayed in, the counselor. The very next year, I went back and worked there. I was 18 and I never stopped working with kids ever since. So I finally settled into um, preschool. So I work with children from ages three to six. Um, and I do that every single day. I also write and I, um, I am a editor. Um, a <laughs> a publishing editor, not a editor of like the genius kind who <laughs> um, can tell you <laughs> where you have uh, grammatic errors, not that kind of editor, um, an editor in chief um, of my own publishing company. And that keeps me very busy outside of <laughs> chasing three to five year olds. Um, so, wow. yeah, it's it's a good time. I do. I do a lot of book stuff, including beta reading, which is like, um, not the same as publishing a book. It's actually the other whole other end of the spectrum on that. But yeah, a lot of bookish things, a lot of things related to child development all day long. And then my daughter's 14. So that's another whole another thing <laughs> that I will not get into. <laughs>
0: I'm not there yet. My son's only one and a half, but, uh, it's, uh, he's he's my
1: favorite. (laughs) I love, I, it's funny because I really do love infants and toddlers because they are, they are literally what nature intended. It's like, you cry because you're poopy. You cry because you're hungry. You cry because you want to hug. But like when they get three to five, we're literally talking about like, social behavior. We're like, Mm -hmm. you can't punch people if you want them to be your friend. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) like you're, you're not crying because you're hungry or poopy. You're crying because someone says they don't want to be your friend. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you cherish these moments. That's what I tell parents all the time before your kiddo can walk. It's all Mm -hmm. like so many cuddles and hugs, even though they keep you up all night. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a sweet time. So
0: yeah, my son, my son is a wild beast in the sense that I don't know when he was like <laughs> one in the, one month or so, he was walking and he almost impaled himself with a pumpkin. How? <sighs> How does a child do that? It was like a pumpkin in the corner of a room. He also hurt himself hitting the door hinge. How? That's in the corner of. <laughs> like I feel like kids are self-destructive to the point that things that you didn't yeah. think they'd hurt themselves on, they will. Yeah.
1: Or sometimes I have to say, sometimes it's the opposite where a, I call it kid luck where like they fall and they're like so close to grazing, yeah. like a sharp object or a coffee table corner. And they never hit it. Like some, some kiddos have like the angels on their side, just like bumping their little big head to the side. So they don't they don't fall and break their skull, um, all kinds of things that I'm just like, oh my gosh, you barely made it. Even in my class, like with these big old five year olds, they're just like running through the class and I have to stop them. And as soon as I say stop, they're just like right about to run into something. <laughs> but they, I'm just like, oh, the sweet and they baby don't notice angels. It at all. And
0: they're like, no, no,
1: no they're not scared. <laughs> they don't care. They're just like, mm. So you're on the other end of the spectrum where (laughs) everything seems to connect (laughs) with your your little guy. My
0: kid, yeah, he's tough, he's tough. I don't know how he keeps it up. But we can do a whole other episode about children and the way they survive (laughs) and the way they're built. (laughs) But today we're gonna be talking about more adult children, us, grown up, from when we were children (laughs) to who we are now and our hobbies. Well, not necessarily mine, but yours. So before we jump into your hobby itself, because it sounds like you're pretty busy, you have a lot of projects on your hand. Do you have any social media links, websites and or projects you would love to share with listeners?
1: I yes, I do. Um, I'm on Twitter mostly. Um, I can't tolerate a lot of social media and I don't really have time for it. To be honest, it is not my hobby. Twitter and Instagram. I am at author TC Lewis and that's fun. I like to chat with people there. Right now, my company is releasing, we are so excited. Um, our my publishing company is called Rebellion Lit. Lit is in literature, and we are releasing a romance, a STEM romance novel, STEM as in science, technology, engineering, and math. A STEM romance novel featuring a fully Um, African-American cast. So we're talking like Black love. We're talking romance. We're talking STEM careers. There's a firefighter involved. And we're super excited about um, the project that we're releasing. It's called Elevated Inferno. And um, anyone who is interested in um, romance and science-based, and it's even like collegiate, one of our characters is in college. So I'm like, oh my gosh, we're just touching all kinds of things that Um, are really culturally important. So I was like, yes, this is such a great project. So if anyone is interested, definitely follow us on Twitter at Rebellion Lit. We're sharing so much information right now on Twitter. Our author is sharing a lot of things. So it's really fun. She has like quizzes and we're running a contest, a giveaway right now. Um, Some very cool swag that we have, as well as some autographed books that we are giving away. And so, yeah, anyone who's interested, um, we're also doing advanced reader copies. So, again, anyone who would like to read the book before it releases in July, um, we'll probably be doing that on June 3rd, I believe. We'll we'll be looking for people who want to read. Other than that, all of my personal titles, um, you can find them on Amazon. Just search for my full name, Tiffany Christina Lewis, all spelled the normal American way. Um, And you will find all of my, um, I mostly write crime fiction, women's lit. And um, I have a few nonfiction books, which are based on the topic that we're going to discuss today.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's perfect. I'll put that down below so people can go check all those out. And of course, show you all the love. -hmm. And now we're going to be going into the beta of the reading. I don't know if that's a saying. Sure, it's a saying now. But before (laughs) we do that, it's got me wondering actually, no, I should have some order. What is a beta reader?
1: A beta reader is a test reader or an early reader of a piece of literature um, that is to then be released to the world. So basically, we get um, a well edited draft and I say this all the time, I have to repeat that we read a well-edited draft, Um, not as well-edited as a professional editor, but as well-edited as the author can edit it before giving it to us. There's actually kind of a a hierarchy or like a level of readership. So betas are pretty close to the end of the editing process. Um, The very first person that may ever read a novel is a critique partner. Um, They're kind of like uh, another author who can help that author through very messy ideas. They kind of help to develop ideas from the very beginning. Then after that, it's called an alpha reader. So they're like before us and they read a first draft. So like completely unedited. And again, they're probably an author, someone who knows a lot about writing. So um, they can help with, uh, again a really messy story but it's not from creation it's like this story is done please read over it let me know what you think um they can kind of a beta reader is almost like any person off the street just any person who's in your target audience um or not sometimes you can't find that person but um like for me for instance i love crime fiction um i'm 37 years old so i fall into a certain criteria. And if I am perfect for your story, then I would just be reading it and telling you what I think about it. It's kind of like getting a review early, but I'm not going to leave my comments on Amazon. I'm just going to tell you what I think. So yeah, Uh, after beta readers, there's um, advanced reader copy readers. Like I was saying, how we're doing an advanced copy for some people who are interested for our book that's coming out but they are going to leave their review on Amazon. At this point, the book is like totally done and ready for the masses. We're just trying to get reviews on the day the book releases. So we have a reader group that will read the book before that day. And then on that day, they will leave their review. So it's kind of, there's quite a list of people who can read a story and in what order. So beta readers come like right at the end, like right after the book, before the book goes to professional editing, but not before the author has done a few drafts to to get it all all nice and pretty.
0: Well, at what point in your life, you like, you know what? I'd like to be because I'm sure you love books for a long time. So at what point were you like, you know what? I want to be a beta reader.
1: <laughs> um, so it's interesting because some people get beta readers because they know they need someone to offer them feedback. But I got a beta reader and became a beta reader at the same time. I was in a, um, a writer's group on Facebook before I denounced the, (laughs) the site. Um, and we were all just like critiquing each other all the time. And so I beta read for someone who was beta reading for me, maybe at the same time, maybe at a different time, but it was just, developing that relationship with everyone in the group and then being like, Hey, I know you like sci-fi. Can you read this for me really quick? So they were probably more like an alpha reader. I was probably more like an alpha reader, but it was just the idea of giving feedback. It was so important to me to get feedback. And it's just, it's so valuable. Like I tell people all the time and even on my podcast, this is what my podcast is about. It's just like, You need it because it's like the first review you'll ever get. And it's the first review that is not on your bookstore. Like it's not on Amazon. It's not on Barnes and Nobles. It's just right here. And you have a chance to make a choice. Do you want to change it or not? Um, And so for me, going through the experience of really figuring that out earlier in my writing career before I had published a single thing, I had already beta read so many stories it was like, yeah, this is something that I need to do. And my group ended up dissolving. Not everyone in the group is still writing regularly. And so I went to Twitter and it was just like, people were asking me, hey, would you read this for me? And I was asking them. And of course, at this point, I'm like super serious about my beta groups and I'm like on another level, but I'm like, yeah, I'll take your story. Um, It wasn't until uh, maybe two or three years ago that I actually started asking if people wanted me to beta read for them. So it wasn't just like a friend who was like, oh, would you read this? Um, I was just like, hey, I have time. Does anyone need a story read? You know, and I kind of told people my preferences and there are certain things that I don't like to read and that kind of shapes um, how I respond to their story. So letting, people, it's almost like um, some people know if you are looking for an agent, the agent has a manuscript wish list. Um, it's they call it M- MSWL. And it's just like, oh, these are all the stories that I would love to be an agent for. So I kind of do the same thing. Like I love crime fiction and I love, um, you know, I love sci fi and I love fantasy and these kind of things. But I don't like this and I don't like this <laughs> because it does really shape the way that I give feedback. Um, so, yeah, probably about three years ago, I started actually soliciting uh, stories for for beta reading.
0: So the ones that you just mentioned, are those the type of unpublished manuscripts that you like to read or are there other ones?
1: I actually, the list of what I like is terribly long, terribly long. <laughs> it, <laughs> um, every subgenre of this. So like basically crime fiction, anything like um, thriller, mystery, you know, anything crime fiction and then anything horror. I will read any single thing, horror, sci-fi, anything, any piece of sci-fi anything any mashups i really like um the list of what i don't like is shorter i don't like ya i'm very i'm getting older <laughs> and i just don't i'm done coming of age and i'm not interested in things that are coming of age i don't have a problem with the genre like it's 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 not really like that i just don't connect with the characters and if i'm not well connected then my feedback is is like shrouded under like this character is annoying me because they're so young and they're just doing stuff that I would never do so I can't connect with them and it's it's just a little harder to give um feedback when everything I'm like oh they're so annoying they're so annoying they're not intended to be annoying <laughs> so um I also am not a huge fan of romance but I love romance when it's a genre mashup so when it's like um Romance, crime fiction, like maybe the two characters who um, are meeting each other and have their are are having a romance. Maybe they stumble upon a crime and now they have to work it out together and it helps them develop their relationship. I love books like that. Um, I love romantic sci-fi, like meeting your alien partner in space. I don't know, whatever. Like, I just love the, the mashup of romance with other things. I don't necessarily like it alone. So yeah, that's always a good time. (laughs) But um, that's pretty much it. The only things I don't really like are just like straight romance and YA. Everything else, I'm I'm game for it.
0: And by YA, you're saying young adult? Is that it?
1: Yes, that okay, is what good. YA is. <laughs> I'm just young think, adult.
0: I'm, I don't know why, but in my head, you're like, why? Well, I'm just already thinking of like YMCA. I'm like,
1: <laughs> I don't know. Okay, why. that is the camp that I went to when I first started working with kids. YMCA oh, camp, well, camp you know. in Santa Cruz, California. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're all connecting the dots. I know, it's all it's making crazy. sense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And- no, YA, like, yeah, I'm not into like Harry Potter can't can't really can't really get with it even like the hunger games which i think falls under ya was just not i was like man this is a lot this is a lot of kids going through a lot of troubles here i can't really (laughs) deal with this so i think i watched like the first movie and then i was like no this is traumatic for me (laughs) i can't twilight
0: though twilight
1: Nope, not even. <laughs> and I love supernatural. I love vampires. I love werewolves. I love witches and wit- and all this supernatural paranormal. Love it so much. But no, tw- this is like, Romance. This is more like romance. And this is why I'm like, I'm out of there. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Crazy love Duly triangle noted. stories. Can't do it. Can't do it. Do
0: not it. write a Twilight-like book and send it to <laughs> Tiffany. Do not. Checkmark. Do not. A big do not. That is a no. <laughs> and you have many years of experience. So what are some key elements you look for when you are beta
1: reading? Um, I'm, I'm uh, a huge character person. So, I, um, one thing, and I know I drive people so crazy when I do this, I always look for continuity with characters. The best example I can give of this is I read a story once, and this character, it was a female character, totally kicked butt, like going through her day to day, just nailing every task and being the toughest person in the room. And she had an interaction with another character that made her cry. And I was just like, oh, that, doesn't seem right at all that really seems like she would I mean she can cry I'm not saying that a character can't cry but when you have established such a strong presence male female whatever doesn't doesn't matter what gender they are but just the idea of this person being like the toughest one in the room and having their whole act together and then one little tiny incident making them literal, literally have a physical sadness reaction was like, no, that was that did not match to me at all. And um, when I left my feedback on that, I just said, hey, like, I don't I don't think this matches her character. I feel like she would she would either like deal with this person like, hey, I'm the boss. There's no way you're going to try to bring me down a peg or This person who is interacting with her has to be a really big baddie. That's what I always say. Like, if you have a character who's supposed to be super tough, the person that makes them cry, makes them scared, they have to be way more bad. They have to be super tough. And this character just didn't fit that to me. I'm like, she could walk over this character in the middle of the street and not even notice them. How are they making her cry now? So for me, that is a huge thing. Just making sure that the character you establish is the character we have all the way through. And even as they go through their story arc, their, their arc is like the transformation of their character. Cause everyone kind of starts one way and ends the other. That change has to be rational. It has to be, it has to be probable. Like it can't just be like, Oh, today all of a sudden I'm happy after I've been like, a brooding character for 25 (laughs) chapters, it's like, whoa, I woke up very happy today. It's like, uh uh-uh, I'm not having that. And that's the kind of stuff (laughs) (laughs) forget it. You'll never be happy. But yeah, I I always point out stuff like that, that I feel like even even in dialogue, I'd be like, "Mm, I don't think that they would say that. Or I think, you know, um, and I always give suggestions to what I think they would say. Um, but I do, I get really connected to characters. Like I remember characters I've read this year. I think I've done probably eight stories this year. And I remember every single character. If, the, if I see the title of the book, I can tell you something about like a character from the story. So I get, I get connected. I get invested <laughs> in these characters. So
0: this has me wondering now, out of all the books you've read that are unpublished, that, let's say the ones that did get published, which character You said, wow, this was so beautifully written. This character is amazing. It's just out of this world. If the book is published, if it's unpublished, then don't share it because it might be published soon. Don't want to reveal any secrets. But if it's already published, what character has just hit every
1: mark? That's a tough one. (laughs) (laughs) I told you. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Picked on me. Picking on me now. Um, (laughs) I better read a story where um, one of the characters, and I forget, I should I should not, this was not this year. Actually, this was last year. So yeah, this character really stuck with me. This character uh, was neurodivergent and he was afraid to go outside. I forget what this is called. Um, he was seeing a psychologist because he had a fear of leaving his home. Um, and there's it like has a real name but he ends up getting into this crazy situation where not only does he have to leave his home but he has to like help his therapist who's helping him leave the home
0: what (laughs) yeah he has
1: to help her deal with some drama that she's gotten into because somehow they just ran into each other at a store in the neighborhood where he lives and she's like going through some kind of distress at the time. And he gets mixed up. He's like barely made it to the store. He's hyperventilating. He is so afraid of being out of his house, but he absolutely has to go. His delivery has like failed. Um, he, He has it set up to where like he gets his food delivered and you know, he works from home. So having to go to the store is like the biggest concern of his life. But then he gets there and he sees his therapist and she is like, having some trauma. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I have to help you. And so um, he's an investigator in a, he's a news journalist. And which is another thing I'm like, oh, my gosh, how can you how can you be a journal? I guess from your home, if you have these kind of like softer stories where you don't really have to go out. But now he's investigating what's happened to his therapist. So he has to go out. And I just remember being so invested in so rooting for him and like please, please figure this out. I just have to know what's going on. So it worked out because also it was in my favorite, absolute number one, top favorite genre, which is crime fiction. And so watching him like navigate um, his mental illness and like facing his fears and like the therapist had issues that she needed to deal with and he was like helping her deal with them. And like, I mean, he was a, he was a rock star. Like I was so impressed with that character. Um, And the funny thing is I was beta reading and I was like unimpressed with the other character. It was a dual, kind of a dual storyline where each of them were first person. So his chapters were I did this and I did that. So first person for him and her. And I remember being really excited to get back to his chapters and not really excited to get back to hers. And um, I like made a comment on that. I'm like, you know, when you do stuff like that, when you have those dual storylines. Each one has to be just as riveting, because then when you leave one storyline to go to the other, if you don't want to, then it kind of like you're going to miss something that you need to know from this storyline or, or whatever. like, you can't skip a whole storyline. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, that character. Yes, absolutely. Stuck with me. I don't think that book has been released yet, but oh, man, I hope so. I hope that it gets released. I'm rooting for that. That guy.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully the person who wrote that book is listening to this episode. And this gives that little... <laughs> little extra push of motivation to release <laughs> it and send a copy to Tiffany to have signed yes. and have a photo of that guy on. The
1: <laughs> <laughs> what does this guy look like? Yeah, Find what a does photo. he look like?
0: I know how he looks like in the book, but I want to see an actual image of him.
1: Right. I need to know. I was very invested.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dropped everything. School, family. No, mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. No, don't. <laughs> and uh, for you, what would you say is the best part? about beta reading on a personal and an emotional level?
1: For me, it's the idea of helping an author improve or validating what they've been doing. Um, I've gotten some stories where there was like almost no complaints that I could make whatsoever. And I was just like, this story is amazing. Um, I always recommend um, authors to get their stories professionally edited before publishing, no matter what route you're taking. A lot of people look at me and they get so mad when I say that, but I don't care. It's really important to have a professional look over your work and just check all those boxes that honestly, like I've had my stories, alpha red, beta red. I have a critique partners now. I have people looking at my stories up, down, left, right. And then when I'm done with all the changes that they want and I give it to my editor, my editor can still find stuff wrong. So I highly recommend it. But getting giving an author feedback and like seeing a book that's so well done, so polished is just like, yes, this is like, I love this. You're going to make it. But then on the other end, seeing something that's like, I'm supposed to beta read, but I'm really an alpha reader because this is definitely a first draft. It gives me a chance to like share every single thing that I've learned over so many years of having beta readers, being a beta reader, releasing stories, getting feedback, From paid, you know, readers and beta readers, and working with editors over my career, I've worked with like probably four or five different editors, and that doesn't even include small critiques that I've gotten done that were just like, you know, quick read this chapter and let me know what you think. So all the tips, all the knowledge that I have can then go into that book that like needs more polishing. So I'm either getting like a really good story that I just feel like I'm reading, and oh my gosh, I could have gotten it from Barnes and Noble's or i'm getting like someone who could really use my support so either way i'm just like yeah this feels so good like no matter no matter if it's a really good story or or not um so it's it's totally like that helping and i do not charge money to beta read it is a hobby <laughs> it is a hobby <laughs> um some people do but it's actually i don't i do not see it a lot um because what most authors do is just ask their author friend to read for them or ask their neighbor or whatever. Um, And it is voluntary. So it does feed my soul. I'm always doing someone a favor. I'm always like being nice because I'm just like, yeah, any, any, almost any time I've started to give myself like a beta reading vacation, but almost any time I'm just like, yep, I will read it. How long is it? What's the genre? Tell me about the story. Um, and I am ready. So yeah, it just makes me super happy to be helping to be like the first person to say, you're, you know, doing great. This is awesome. Or to be like, Hey, this needs some work, but I can tell you and I can help you do that work. It's not, you're not going to be alone (laughs) because I think that's the daunting part of it. Um, but yeah, it makes me feel really good to help authors in that way.
0: Now, I hate to say this or admit to this, but sometimes when I'm doing interviews and my guest has an amazing answer, I like, I don't, I'm like focusing. I'm like, wow, this is a great podcast. And then it goes silent. I'm like, why isn't the host answering? <laughs> oh wait, I'm the host. <laughs> and I snap back because I'm just like fully invested in like what the, my guest was saying. I'm like, oh wow, this is, I'm just listening to a podcast. Has that ever happened to you where you're reading a book and you're like, I don't know, say 50 pages in is like, Wow. (gasps) Wait, I was supposed to like actually focus on reviewing it. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah. But when this happens, I don't have to panic because it just means (laughs) that I don't have to leave any notes (laughs) Um, because basically there are certain levels of feedback. I know that's like weird, a double use of the word, but um, there's different ways that people want my information, my feelings back Um, So some people just want me to email them and just be like, hey, tell me what you think. (laughs) Other people want an in-depth line by line reaction from me. So as I'm reading, if something's great, um, I'll just put, oh my gosh, that sentence was fabulous. Like that was a great way to end this chapter. I loved it, whatever. So I actually literally put track changes into their document and they can see as they're scrolling through where I've like left a comment. So. If I'm reading for 50 pages and I got nothing to say, then I might go back and like add some positive things in there. But yeah, it's no sweat for me. It's just like, cool, next page, (laughs) moving on. (laughs) If they just want an email from me, then it's like, dude, this whole thing was perfect. Bye.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why, but from one perspective, I don't know, back in university, uh, when a professor would not put anything on the page, like, did I do things right? Did they actually read it? And you're like, no, it was actually really good. I had nothing to say. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No news is good news. Exactly.
0: And with, uh, within all these manuscripts you've read, how many are in, under your belt?
1: Oh, um, I can't say exactly, but I read six to 10 a year. So uh, since I've started taking time off, my numbers have dwindled. Like I take a... You, I take like maybe three months off now during the year, like in different, in different areas, depending on what I'm doing. Um, sometimes if I need to focus on, like, I think, I think I'm off right now. (laughs) I actually (laughs) don't even know, um, because of the book that we're releasing. So I'm like super busy and then I'm planning to write a manuscript in July. So I think I opened, I'm going to open up again in July cause I can read and write at the same time. That's fine. But this book has to be out. (laughs) I can't, Beta read and do this at the same time. It is. It's. I would tragically fail at both tasks. But six to ten manuscripts a year, and I've been beta reading since two thousand fourteen. So, is it rude if I make you do the math? Since
0: <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I, I, I can like... do it. I can do it. Okay. Uh, okay. Six. So to two thousand fourteen to two thousand twenty. That's six. So six times six is wow. Why am I blanking? 24? No, what?
1: Six six is thirty-six. Is 36. 36. Jeez. You're not gonna give me the I ten. Am... You're gonna just only give me the six. We're gonna I'm, do I'm the gonna No, no, six. I'm gonna
0: do it to ten and then add up from there. That's what I'd okay. do. <laughs> Let's just say math <laughs> on the spot during a podcast. This is not my strong suit, apparently. Wow. Yeah. I had another
1: <laughs> a lot. Ten times like seven, seven years, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Forever, yeah.
0: Here, here. I got my calculator out. Ask me the question again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we can skip it. <laughs> but no, I'm no, keeping it in. I'm
0: keeping it in so people t- know know how confident, <laughs> incorrectly confident I am.
1: <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. That's full manuscripts. So if we, if if I can say that I've read seventy full manuscripts, then there's these peppered in like chapters where someone's like, "Hey, just look at this for me real quick because I'm concerned about." One thing or another, sometimes I read for sensitivity, like if it's a female character um, going through trauma in a chapter, sometimes people ask me to read just to be like, is this palpable for you? And like, what does that mean? So if I include if I add those chapters, I'm way over 100 things that I've read in my beta reading career well over because I yeah, I literally will just get a DM Like, hey, real quick, I have a super short thing, like something that they're just trying to get published in a magazine or an anthology that's like only 5,000 words. When I say novel, I mean like 50,000 words or more. So like over 200 pages, but somebody might just send me five pages really quick. So yeah, quite a bit. I, I, yeah, (laughs) quite a bit.
0: More than 24. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Four
1: times that if we're doing math again. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'll
0: give you the ball this time to do the math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. see, (laughs) throwing you the curveball with this simple math, apparently, that I can't complete. Anyways, (laughs) so to put away the focus on my horrible math, let's (laughs) move on to something a little darker. What would you say are some misconceptions about people who are beta readers?
1: Well, the number one misconception that I wish people would stop telling this lie is that beta reading costs money. Like I said, it is a majority free volunteer service. And I think the reason it kind of trips me out is because any author who's just gotten someone, part of it is just because even authors don't necessarily know what the title means. Like if you just ask your neighbor to read a couple of pages and tell you what they think, that's a beta reader. So that didn't cost you anything, obviously. Um, authors often have this debate like, oh, should I pay for an editor or should I use a beta reader? And I'm like, both because beta reading is free. So don't skip it just because you're trying to save money. It's literally free. Um, the question is, do I pay for an editor, period? There's no like, should I use a beta reader? You, uh, My thing is like, you almost have to use a beta reader, especially if you're not getting a publisher, because the biggest thing that beta readers discover typically is like plot holes. And you cannot release your book with a bunch of plot holes. You can't release a Swiss cheese book Um, unless it's like literally about Swiss cheese, then that's acceptable. But yeah, like you got to get these plot holes. You got to tighten up this character development. And this is something that people can tell you for free if you ask the right questions. So stop telling people that beta reading costs money. (laughs) It is entirely free in almost every case.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Stop right now. Alex and Tiffany are telling you to stop. <laughs> and this question might leave you pondering for a while. What is something that you know now that you wish you knew when you first started your hobby?
1: Wow, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the pondering has commenced.
1: Yes, <laughs> I wish I knew. Um, I wish I knew what genres I liked, which which kind of stories I liked, um, because I actually beta read a lot of YA because YA was super popular to write. It was already, I feel like um, some people like didn't know YA was a thing. They knew about like Harry Potter and all these kind of things, but they didn't really, in the authorly sphere, I didn't hear a bunch of people saying, oh, I'm a YA writer. This just kind of blew up over the last, you know, 10 years where every single person enjoys YA, understands what YA is. And so Five years ago, I was just swamped with a lot of y a titles, and I just was not <laughs> enjoying myself and it was because I was just like, "Yeah, I'll read that that sounds interesting, has supernatural elements has this has that and then all of a sudden it was just like, "Wow, this kid is doing a lot of stuff that I don't uh, understand that I just like am too old for now um and so again, like I was saying before, it really shaped the way I give feedback and I am strict or blunt or forward with my feedback. Like I don't pull punches. Um, I don't like pretend like something's good, even though I think it's an issue. And so it was like not being mean to people, but really like having nothing good to say about the story because I just wasn't well connected to it. Again, not because it was a bad story, not because there were problems, but I'm just like, gosh, I don't, yeah, this just happened and cool. Like, I don't, you know, it was just so, it was just very challenging. So being more upfront, like if even to this day, like if people reach out to me and they're like, oh, would you read? Um, and I always ask the same kind of questions. What do you, what's the genre? What's this? What's that? Um, If they say YA, I immediately say, I am not a huge fan. However, if you want to take a chance with me, <laughs> because a lot of times I'm recommended And so I'm just like, if you want to take a chance on someone who doesn't really like your genre, I will read it. Not a problem. But my opinion is what you're asking for right now. So beware. Um, So I do kind of wish (laughs) I do kind of wish I knew that about myself earlier on, because it would have probably saved some people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, when you said if somebody says YA, I say no way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. I say hey. Hey, why? <laughs> <Y-A>. Okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> dot dot dot. Okay, yeah, oh, I guess.
1: Okay. Perfect. <laughs> this is this is excellent.
0: <laughs> and so, this was a challenge for you when you first started. What would you say? This is somewhat a challenge still to this day, or do you have another big challenge that faces you?
1: I think. I think the challenge I have now is like personal. It's just like, again, those misconceptions about beta reading are there's more of them, but they're not. <laughs> they're like only important to me, <laughs> like how I was saying earlier that there's certain levels of readers, you know, like the first reader is your critique partner. They are like your homie who you can call anytime time and just be like, hey, I have a story idea. What do you think? Um, And they can read chapters like while you're writing it and they can help you really shape and direct your story right as you're writing it right on the spot. Then that alpha reader is the person you trust to read your whole story as if they're a beta reader, but it's not edited at all. And then I am supposed to be a beta reader. So when people come to me (laughs) and they're like, hey, I have a story idea. Can I throw it at you? And I'm like, I am not your critique partner. Like... (laughs) What do you want from me? (laughs) Or like, (laughs) or the same thing when I get like a first draft and it's so messy. Like, I mean, like even stuff that people know is wrong. Like, you know how Microsoft Word like puts that little squiggly line under something if it's spelled wrong?
0: So like the whole page for me? Oh, yeah. I would I thought that was never like to read
1: for you. <laughs> it's like, that's all I know is the red squiggly line. I thought um, it was natural. I
0: thought it, it was no, just there to highlight. Wow, this is amazing.
1: <laughs> Learning something. <laughs> but I don't want to see those kind of typos where Microsoft mm-hmm. Word could have told you how to spell <laughs> it. Like, that's a problem for me. And it, it happens because people don't know the levels that they have to kind of go through in order the way that the feedback hierarchy, like, I don't know (laughs) the right word for it, (laughs) but it's just like, you should not be giving this to me. I'm telling you that I am a beta reader. And so this thing is too sloppy for me, but I've acted as all the types of readers. I'm, I'm capable of doing everything. It's just that, you know, people bring me anything, whatever, here it is. Um, and to me, that is a problem, but it's an, it's like, it's no one else's problem. It's just like, okay, now I have to, Explain this to you and get you to understand that I really want you to edit your manuscript at least one time and come back and see me (laughs)
0: later. Passive aggressive, (laughs) like,
1: please. (laughs) It's like, hey, uh, (laughs) Hey. this is not edited at all. Are you sure you want my feedback? (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure? Are you sure you're ready? Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just an industry thing because so many people can get into writing, get into publishing literally without knowing anything. And so seeking out that knowledge and I'm happy to give it, um, I love meeting people who like know the hierarchy and the levels of, you know, readers and like how to use each level of feedback provider. Um, so It's a personal problem. I don't mind if people come to me with their alpha, their alpha manuscript. It's all good.
0: (laughs) You know what? I'm going to come with you with my uh, board game rule book. Yeah. Oh. What are you going to do there? Huh? There's no manuscript.
1: That is is nonfiction. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, maybe. I I don't want to give out too much information about it, but maybe Mm. it's fiction. Maybe it's not fiction. Who knows? But that's not in your. <laughs>
1: if it's a rule book, I just want you to kind of lean towards nonfiction. <laughs> lean into that. It's, it's
0: a YA. probably. It's a YA rule book. <laughs>
1: I'm, let the me warn you age. now. <laughs> coming of age rule book. You take out your Perfect. red
0: marker? No. No. <laughs> no <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and you kind of answered this, but if you want to go into more details, I guess. What is the most stressful part about beta reading? Beta reading?
1: I think for me it's personal, um, personal deadlines. Reading and telling people, giving feedback is super easy. If I had like a whole year to read one manuscript, obviously it wouldn't be a problem at all. But I am terribly busy and I have to balance out the time that I dedicate to reading. And if a book is just like I just beta read, um, And this book is out and I loved it Um, called Bloody Religion by J.C. Main. And I beta read it in a month and actually in three weeks because I told J.C. that I would start it on a certain day and I did not start it until a week later. And I freaked out. But as soon as I started reading it, it was so good that I was able to read it really quickly. Um, So I got lucky, but I was literally heart palpitation like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to tell JC that I'm going to be late. Why didn't I start on time? And of course, I had some kind of valid reason why I didn't start right away. But you never know what's going to happen. And I'm just like, I always ask people, what is your deadline? When do you need it back? Because I have to evaluate whether or not I can perform that. And if I can't, I tell people right up front because. Most of the people that I work with are planning to self-publish. So (laughs) I I have had people tell me that they need my feedback in a month because when they're done making my changes, they're going to release it. And they've already told their Twitter followers and their readers that they're going to release this book in a month. And I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) This book is not. And I've had some really good stuff that I'm like, you could release this when I'm done. Um, But I always want people to get professionally edited always every single time. And so I'm just like, okay, you You can, this is, (laughs) this is a good story, but so yeah. um, But that's it for me. Like deadlines. I want to be on time because so many people are truly basing their decisions around their timeline all the time, whether they need to, query an agent before the agent closes their um, acceptance period, or if they want to release it at a certain time, all all deadlines are important, even if, they're not mine. And so um that is always part of the stress. The timeline and the ticking clock is is the the most stressful part for me.
0: And it's all about manifesting the time in your spirit. I don't know why I'm getting so philosoph- philosophical about it, but understanding the time you have and what you can do with it. And wow, the pressure mm-hmm. that you must have for people to say, okay, so yeah, I'm gonna release this tomorrow. Can you just uh do your magic? And I cause I already promised all my Twitter followers that it's coming out uh-huh. tomorrow at midnight. You're like, well, here's the thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> cause, cause my choice is to either be like, yeah. Or to be like, nah, <laughs> like I have to, and, and I feel bad telling people no, but I've come to realize that it's so important to tell people no, either because deadlines, cause it, it feels for deadlines. It always feels like a cheat. Cause I'm just like, You need, I can't do it in a month because I have another, sometimes I do two at once and that's okay. Depending on like, I will do a a solicited, unsolicited beta reading, like someone who I don't know while I'm also doing someone I do know, because a person that I do know, a friend of mine, um, Joseph S. Samaniego, I have beta read probably seven of his books. And he's part of that six to 10. (laughs) Um, But I know his style and I know his writing really like the back of my hand. So if I notice something like, I'm like, oh, we've already talked about this. I'm going to leave a note here. And then I'm never going to talk about this with you again, because you know better. (laughs) And we just kind of go from there. So I can read his story at the same time as someone else's. Um, But sometimes I just have to tell people no, because I'm like, I'm, I'm already on two. like, I can see you in a month or two. If you're still interested, you know, message me, but I, yeah. Saying no can, can be hard. Cause I'm like, man, you know, you can read that book in two weeks <laughs> and then it ends up, <laughs> and then it ends up being crazy. It ends up being dictionary long. And I'm like, Oh gosh, this was a mistake.
0: <laughs> All right, So let's let's do some role play right now. I am a person who you've never met before. I have an unpublished book and I want you to beta beta read it and it's garbage. I want you to give me your best no. So here we go. Hey, Tiffany, I found you on MySpace and I would love to have you read my manuscript. Would you be able to do it? I I promise all my followers that it's going to come out in two hours.
1: I'm laughing so hard right (laughs) now. Off mic. My abs are hurting.
0: (laughs) And scene.
1: This is... This is... This is a DM that I'm not even going to read. <laughs> I'm not on my space anymore. And if you are on Twitter sending me a message like that, you don't even know me. <laughs> this is a stranger for real. <laughs> not like just like, oh, you are a strange person on Twitter, but like you are strange. No, what I would what I would say to you is. Two hours is uh, not something that I can do. (laughs) However, if you would give me a month (laughs) um, or I would be like, this better not be YA because you're really not getting anything
0: from me. And if this was really cringy, I'd say something like, come on, this will get you so much exposure. (laughs) Wow. You'd be losing a great big opportunity if you didn't do this. (laughs) Because this is
1: this is exactly what I need. Exposure. (laughs) I read six to ten manuscripts a year. (laughs) I am not hurting for one more manuscript. Trust me.
0: (laughs) And then there would be some weird insults and then disappear into the void.
1: Perfect. (laughs) Block. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. Block report. (laughs) Good. You nailed it. You nailed the scene. (laughs) So uh, back to non-acting side. Uh, Do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby?
1: Yes. Um, If you would like to be a beta reader... Don't be nice. Don't be like super nice, because that's not what authors need. Authors need you to be super honest. Um, If you don't like something in their story, you should definitely tell them in your best, nicest voice, but not in your like, I'm not going to tell them because I'm nice voice. Um, (laughs) I know a lot of people and I've had them. They've like been my reader before. And oh, this whole story was so good. This was perfect. I have no comments. I have no complaints. And I'm just like, someone else is telling me that this character is not well-developed in this setting. I couldn't even see. And I don't understand the plot here. There's a plot hole and you forgot that this, and you named a person, uh, you know, Timothy when their name is really Johnny. And I mean, it's just like all these (laughs) problems. Um, and I've had people who are just like, Oh no, everything was great. And then I've had, you know, a laundry list. So This is not helpful for an author. If you really want to help an author, which is what beta reading does, then you really need to be transparent. You need to be honest, even if they're going to be mad because we can get all upset. I definitely get upset after reading beta reader comments because I just feel misunderstood. But it's okay. We should all authors should all have kind of a thick skin. We should all have a coping mechanism for feedback. It's I mean, it's it's really a thing. Like we get so attached to our stories, Um, But do not be afraid of hurting an author's feelings. Just tell them the truth about how you feel about their story, where they can improve their story. Um, And I think that's the biggest thing. Make sure that, you know, you're being honest, you're communicating clearly. Um, We don't want to hear stuff like, um, I really liked that character. We want to hear why you like that character. What makes that character Um, your favorite or what makes them interesting to you. We don't want to know that you just didn't like someone, but like why you didn't like them, especially when you don't like something, because um, if the author was intending for you to not like that, that's good. That's like a thumb up. Good, I'm glad you didn't like that person. But if you, if they thought that person was a good character and you should like them, maybe that's a flaw in that character that they need to develop. So- don't leave that kind of stuff out. Just, um, be concise, be clear, um, let them know exactly, not just how you feel, but why that'll be really helpful.
0: Yeah. Uh, honest criticism and feedback goes a long way if it's well-constructed. Absolutely. Yep. Now I've asked this question at the beginning of the episode, but i ask it again at the end. Do you have any social media links, websites, or projects you're working on that you would love to share?
1: everyone rewind (laughs) this episode go back to the beginning listen to me say it at the beginning and then listen to the whole episode again and then when i get to this part i want you to go (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna get you so so many replays on this one um please check us out myself author tc lewis on twitter if you need a beta reader DM me. (laughs) Um, I am always happy to hear about people's projects. Um, Follow my publishing company, Rebellion Lit, on Twitter as well. Or you can go to our website, rebellionlit.com. Like I said, right now, we are super, super active, um, getting ready for this release, for this book to come out. We're doing a giveaway. We're having fun. We're doing polls. My author is even narrating part of the book right now. So that is even more fun. So check all of that out on social media. Yes. And if you are interested in my books that are already published, like I said, crime fiction, women's lit. And that was what I was going to, that's what I meant to bring back up again. Thank you for re-asking this question. Yes. Um, I have released two nonfiction books. A third is on the way on beta reading. And these books are for authors. Um, the first book is how to beta, basically talking all about the process Um, How to use beta readers, how to use their feedback, how to find beta readers, how to retain beta readers, how to reward them at the end of all of their very hard work, which I would suggest that does not mean you have to pay them. The second book is specifically about setting and characters. And basically in that book, I talked about all the tips that I've given over the last (laughs) seven years about how i like setting basically or things that i think improve setting things that i think improve characters and different just a long list of like all of the things that i've told authors over time and what i've learned as an author and what editors have told me about my own work um in relation to setting and characters so yeah that <laughs> that is related to this as well and my podcast my podcast is at beta reader bits.podbean.com um and it's all this talking about beta reading, talking about how to use beta readers, how to find beta readers and um, lots of tips and tricks that I offer authors when I read for them.
0: Once again, I don't know why. when you just said how to find them, I just pictured like David Attenborough, a nature documentary. You can see over there <laughs> a beta reader in its natural habitat reading
1: I books. I think that's <laughs> that is literally how authors feel. When they're looking for beta readers, like <laughs> <laughs> it, it is truly, um, it is truly challenging for them. They are constantly asking, you know, where do you get your readers from, and where? And literally, readers are all around us. We just um, have to be brave enough to reach out to them. Like um, the only thing I always say is, like, if you know uh, another author for sure, like, can be a beta reader <clears throat> for another author, but if it's not an author. You should really try to find someone who likes the kind of books that you write. I know that sounds like a no-brainer, but I have heard many horror stories of someone like giving their sci-fi loving uncle their romance off their romance novel and just being like, "Why didn't he like it?" Um and it's just like he just doesn't like that genre and there's not a lot of good things that can be said about a genre that you don't enjoy. And it just makes giving feedback harder. Again, I think I've said this a few times, but yeah, it's it's actually a big hot topic of uh, conversation for authors is where to find beta readers under every single rock. I feel <laughs> they we are we are hiding out under every rock.
0: It's funny you say that because right now I'm developing a board game and in the board game world, what you have to do is play test, play test, play test, play test. I want to play test it at least around 100 times. And what we do... Oh, yeah. I am very dedicated to make it work. While that is I've a mo- lot of drafts. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have modified it, I think, 17 times to make it work. And the thing with that is very similar to publishing a book and beta reading. It's other designers, board game designers, testing each other's games to see what works and what doesn't work. And also finding the people who are just play testers, play testing games that they typically enjoy. So it's kind of like we're in the same kind of realm But different hobbies.
1: That is very cool. That reminds me, I made a board game in college (gasps) in one of my um, communication classes. Don't remember the specs of it whatsoever. It was a group project. So I was, of course, not as passionate about it as I could be. I had to use (laughs) other people's feedback. Um, But yeah, it is not easy. And I am very proud of you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Because honestly, I, well, because, and I'm, I'm a teacher. So games literally rule our world sometimes, depending on what grade, what age. And so, yeah, like it's, I know it's a big deal. So it's really cool to hear that they, that the testing and the, that kind of stuff is, is similar. I guess it's like human nature to want to check and double check what you're doing before you kind of make a big move. So. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's like me
0: trying to get dressed in the morning. I have to double check. Am I wearing (laughs) the right clothing?
1: Two socks the same colors?
0: Double check, triple check. Cool. My son's like, no. Blue and green sock? Cool. We're going to rock that today. Rain jacket (laughs) and sandals? Cool. Let's do that. Let me tell
1: you something. (laughs) match socks is all I care about. It gets my kids so excited when I wear the same sock. Because they're so used to me wearing Mitch match. I'm just like, I, I dress like I am not, uh, yeah. It's like black t-shirt, blue jeans, Mitch match socks, Vans. That's it. That's it's like boom, 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 boom. That's all I need. If my socks are matching, my kids are just like, Miss Tiffany, your socks today. What's wrong yep. with you today? It's like <laughs> uh, Are you okay? <laughs> it's more, it's more of a victory. It's it's oh. much more of a victory for them. <laughs> Because um, during nap, we always go without our shoes. And so they're just like, oh, you got two pink socks today. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I did it.
0: <laughs> I feel like I'd be the troublemaker, not the troublemaker, but the kid you'd be concerned about in your class. What what day group do you? Uh... Three to five. Okay. So I think it was a little younger, but this is a little story. Sorry to deviate a little bit. But back, <laughs> I think it was in grade two or I can't, I think it was grade two or grade one. We were taking naps. And for some reason, I didn't feel like taking a nap and I had like a penny in my pocket. I'm like, hmm, I'm going to balance it on my lips while lying down. Of course, I yawned, swallowed the penny, ended up going to the doctors and uh, that was fun. A week later, I'm still taking I'm taking another nap during nap time and I'm like, I don't want to take a nap. Oh, look, another penny. This time, I'm not going to swallow it. Yeah, <laughs> I swallowed it again.
1: You are the richest kid, by the way, to have a penny two days in a row. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm worth two pennies. Yeah. Let me tell you something. It is. This is a this.
0: (laughs) It explains a lot. It explains a lot about who I am. (laughs) No, 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 no.
1: It explains a lot about the day and age we're in. My kids would never eat money.
0: They, they. (laughs) (laughs) that's like a good thing you don't want kids to eat money (laughs) no
1: not for health and safety but for like pure capitalism they love money they know that money is for candy and toys they do not think it's a they don't think it is a toy they think it's for toys so if that money leaves their hand it is i mean i (laughs) i make them mad enough just saying put the money in your bag I mean, they're coming with dollar bills out here. Like oh, it's really? not, oh yeah, we got quarters, we got dollars. And then they're fighting over the play money in the kitchen. So like, <laughs> it's like a we're gambling fully... ring and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> casinos opening up in
0: the back and the cubbies.
1: <laughs> we are fully capitalist in my class. Clearly the kids are just like throwing down over the, over the money. And they are particular because we have a few different kinds. Like, you know, I just get, we have the first brand and then, um, we I work for Head Start. So we get a lot of like state funded stuff. They're just like, oh, you guys, a program is coming to bring you guys some stuff. And we're like, cool, just open the door, let them in, whatever it is, we'll take it. We'll just decide how we want to use it later. And so if they bring something like a different kind of play money and we put it in there, the kids will have a preference, like they want the one that's more green or whatever. And so then they're fighting over that. So not only are they like wanting the tens instead of the ones that have only one number, but they're fighting over the more green ones. So I'm just like, <laughs> you guys are killing me. Like you can't really buy anything with this. It's not, it's not better <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just because, but yeah, no, you're, you're out here eating money back then. <laughs> no one, nobody cared pennies or <laughs> just like, here, have a penny. And the kids like, no, he now, my kids don't bring pennies to school at all. No, no pennies. It's quarters or more. And um, they're saving it. It's in the pocket. They are ready. They are not playing with that. It is not a toy. Just full capitalists.
0: Well, back when we were kids younger, a penny back then, if you were to go to like, say, Seven Eleven, you can buy penny candies. Mm-hmm. But now you can't do that anymore. They're like, No. A, a dime or even more, but a I dime? wasted I, <laughs> a dime. I don't know how much penny candies are now. I don't, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wasted two pieces of candy by swallowing. Actually, well, I got the money back, but it, long story short, I had to go through a little process. Gross.
1: Yeah, gross. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, the Dollar Tree is a dollar twenty-five here now. I don't know how it is where you live, but yeah, the candy costs. A lot now. So the kids are really squirreling away those coins.
0: (laughs) And I was literally squirreling away by stuffing it (laughs) in my mouth. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So to move forward from my wild childhood, do you have any questions for
1: me? About beta reading. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite genre? Um, my favorite
0: genre to read. I don't necessarily read novels, but I love reading mangas and manwas. Mm. Yeah. So I grew classy. up with that. Yeah, it's so classy. I read it with a monocle <laughs> and a top hat. Naturally. <laughs> with a little pipe with bubbles coming out of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you didn't just say graphic novels, though. Like that's Mm-mm. manga. It's
0: like, a, yeah. Yeah. And manwas. It's a- so it's Korean as well.
1: That's amazing. I love that.
0: i like supernatural. Like, yeah, like I love the idea of one character just having abilities and being down on his luck. Not necessarily coming of age, but just like... Coming of powers. Coming of powers (laughs) per se, yeah.
1: Do you like, like you had no powers and now you have some or you're like learning how to use powers kind of?
0: Uh, well, I'm so... I'm reading a manga right now called Fire Punch and basically, I think it's called Fire Punch, but basically it's a story of a society where there's some people who have powers, but they're not necessarily seen as heroes, but they're more enslaved for their powers. So they're used Mm. as tools. And then there's one person who ends up just having enough of it and freezing the whole world. And killing off a lot of people. And then this other person, the fire punch individual who is, has a regenerative power and is also made out of fire, is on a quest to try to, he's like Deadpool in a sense. He's not necessarily a hero, but not necessarily a villain.
1: Nice. A little
0: anti-hero-ish. Yeah. Like, I'll help you, but I don't really care kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's cl- classic anti-hero <laughs> attitude. <laughs> Only yeah. if this helps me <laughs> or I don't care. It's, I'm indifferent. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like, okay, this is not too much trouble, but
1: it's cold. So I'll just fire punch you guys so we can be warm. <laughs> that's great. That's fun.
0: But I'm always open to everything, right? Uh, when it comes to novels back in school. No, no, because I think in the U.S. there's different books than in Canada when, when it comes to reading. Because I went to a French school, so everything in French. Mm. So English class, we read, let's say, Edgar Allan Poe. We, le- we read uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. We read um, The Hobbit, off the top of my head. Um, or Oth- Othello, I believe. So Hamlet and all that. But okay. uh, those are the ones Shakespeare. That I remember. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of Shakespeare. But yeah, I guess yeah, that's, I, I classic. Don't know
1: that, that's classic yeah. school school list even even down here
0: <laughs> yeah i know there's some i know there's some books in some places that are banned and vice versa and all oh that boy. so we're not
1: talking that's, about that's a whole other
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Hold stop, up. I just had i'll another, stop
1: you right there <laughs> yeah exactly
0: i had another random question if it's a thought that ever came in your head have you ever read like something you're like what if i introduce this to like say my Students, something that's more lighthearted, but like what if how did they interpret this? Just to
1: see. Never. <laughs> I have never read, so I just I beta read for the first time something that wasn't for adults, because absolutely every single thing I've ever beta read has been like adult fiction. I mean YA is not adult fiction, even though little do some people know, um, the age for YA is old. It's over mm-hmm. 18. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, I don't I can't tell you the numbers right off the top of my head, but I'm feeling like it's between like 17 and 25. Like it's it's pretty old, but I actually better read uh, a story that I believe is more like elementary age. And that was a good time. But uh, yeah, no, I usually read stuff that is not in any way (laughs) appropriate for my for my kids or even my kid who's 14. (laughs) I don't Mm -hmm. think I've even read a story that she can read yet. (laughs) <laughs> um. yeah it's it's been it's been an interesting trip of of reading stuff and and getting to know it's also really funny because like people's you you kind of meet quote-unquote meet people a lot of people I read for I only know them online um, and then to read their story and be like whoa you wrote that like what's in your head <laughs> um, but I kill people in all almost all of my books so My mom makes so much fun of me. She's like, I don't know what's wrong with you. How can you kill people in every story? You're a teacher. How can you kill people in every story? It's a (laughs) de-stressor. Crime fiction fiction is very popular. Okay, I'm not taking this from anybody. It is a very popular genre. So
0: watch you make a story saying there was a little boy named Alex. He was taking a nap someday. Stupid little child, swallowed a penny and died.
1: (laughs) Hey, stupid is a bad word. Stupid is a bad word in my industry. Oh, idiotic. We don't use that oh,
0: is idiotic, okay. <laughs> idiotic
1: That's a big, that's a big word. Buffoon. So I don't know. Big buffoon. <laughs> I think if you're, if it's a kid's book, if it's like a, a, silly. a cautionary tale, it's more like a silly, yeah, we say silly boy, a silly boy,
0: solid a penny and died.
1: Oh, what do we, what do we say? Uh, Cause that's, it's funny because kids, the kids that I work with, they know about death. They know what that means. I think some of them have, their parents have different ways of explaining it to them. Some of them are just raw. Like, you know, my dog died or whatever. Um, And I have one kiddo who says that her grandma is in the clouds or she went in the airplane and she lives in the clouds now. And so, yeah, like death is not something super far-fetched for them to understand, but we don't put it in our, we don't read it in our books. (laughs) We don't, we don't there, but there are a lot of books that deal with grief and loss for, for children. It's a, it's a huge like um, social emotional development point. So yeah, I have been very fortunate not to actually run into anything like that in my career where I needed to talk to kiddos about grief, but it's, 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 Everything that's a part of life is a part of kids' lives. Like, and that's something that um I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand. It's like, oh no, the, and they they understand so much now. It's crazy how how much smarter they are.
0: Sometimes they catch you off guard, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, this like, yeah, yeah, I know a lot about this. Like, oh, oh, okay. Did yeah. not know you knew that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we do. We have to be much more careful about the things we say around kids now they're just I don't know I don't know how is it happening is it our diets is it our I don't know but honestly things that I I remember like my daughter knew about when she was younger when I was younger I was like mom did I was I know did I know about that did I understand that no you never I never paid attention to it never cared about it I don't know. It was maybe a more carefree time, um, less TV, more outside time. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. We could go on and on again. <laughs> I should go on your show. I should go on your show, <laughs> except it's not a hobby. I actually get paid, but <laughs> I could still go on and on about it.
0: We could we could twist it and make it sound like a hobby. Just a lot of money sent to, you know, like, oh, it's a career bee, career yeah. <laughs>
1: Every month I get something in my bank account. Don't know who it's from, but I also go to a school and work with kids every day. (laughs) hobby bucks.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So uh, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for coming on and sharing your passion for reading and your life lessons that brought you to where you are today and your passion for everything else. And if you guys would like to learn more about Tiffany, I'll put all the links down below so it'll be very easy to find. If you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. If you want to show some more support, I also have a Patreon, I sell merchandise so you can leave a review, and I'm also working on a board game that... We'll be coming out in two hours and Tiffany's going to review the <laughs> rule book. Wow. You heard it here. Tiffany is going to review it and she agreed. I'm just going to edit everything. So I'm going to find a part where you say yes and just slice it into there. So it sounds like you actually agreed to do it. Ha! Huh? Huh? The power of editing.
1: You know what? I will beta read your rule book. I'm just going to lay it out there. And if it ever comes across my email,
0: <laughs> this yeah, will be no. the
1: joke
0: today. The the, the the subject line will be why (laughs) you're like oh god no 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 spam spam delete block (laughs) perfect (laughs) but i do have to thank you tiffany for coming on and just sharing everything so thank you so much
1: yes thank you for having me
0: so until the next episode make some time for your hobby take care